0: Welcome to another episode of Bringing Design Closer. My name is Jerry Scullion, and I'm a service designer and founder of This Is HCD and CEO of ThisIsDoing.com, where we provide live online design and innovation classes, providing training for service designers, design researchers, product managers, user experience designers, content designers, and much, much more. Today in the show, we have Anna Kirabex, a Slovenian service designer and facilitator based in Germany. And in this episode, we speak about Anna's studies at Laurier University in Finland, And her interest in neural psychology and how this transfers to the structuring of online learning. Something that many of us are doing on a day-to-day basis now. We even get into some demonstrative exercises where Anna completes a fun exercise using me called the rant. Something that was really fun and it was quite energetic and revealing as well. So Anna is great and I think you're going to enjoy this one. So let's get straight into it. Anna Kira Beksh, a very warm welcome to Bringing Design Closer. How are you?
1: Hey, hi, I'm nice. It's not the best weather here in Germany, but the energy is at the
0: right level. Nice. Well, we've been rambling for quite a bit, talking about everything and everyone. But (laughs) tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe how you describe what you do to, say, a five-year-old child.
1: Oh my gosh. No, don't ask me that question. (laughs) I don't think you can mention service design to a five-year-old child. (laughs) Yeah, But I could say I try to help teams get better at what they do and achieve the goals that they want to do. That's like a very abstract way of describing it.
0: Yeah, it's probably a nice way of wrapping up service design really it's trying to help people do and achieve their goals is a nice way of framing it but tell us you're in germany at the moment where are you originally from
1: i'm originally from slovenia
0: beautiful country somewhere i've always wanted to visit
1: Mm, maybe after covid
0: yeah Maybe after COVID. I think I'll be doing a lot of traveling after COVID.
1: I think everyone will.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the airlines might be like on their knees at the moment, but they'll be buoyant in about, hopefully in a couple of years. Yeah, they just have to wait. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Probably now is a good time to buy some stock in those aircraft companies.
1: Yes, you're smart. Yes.
0: Yeah, maybe. But... One of the reasons how we've connected, we've connected through Adam Lawrence and Renata Hukenrad, mm-hmm. who work on This Is Doing as well with me, and your name kept on popping up. And I was like, I, I need to speak to Anna, and I'm delighted to finally connect with you and to have this conversation. Yeah,
1: it's so nice. I've also heard very nice things about you.
0: You're working primarily as a facilitator at the moment, is that right?
1: Yeah, I am. Well, It's actually, I kind of hate the definitions because all of these Mm. things really overlap. Maybe service design facilitator could be the most comprehensive. But then again, we just had a discussion yesterday, one of the workshops when we, we talked about how to ask questions and one of the participants Mm. said, well, but isn't that coaching? And we were like, okay, yes. And these are skills that a facilitator also needs. So in our professions, you take skills and tools and methods and approaches from various domains, and then you try to achieve
0: what you try to achieve.
1: And my focus is on groups, or on people, mm. groups of people, organizations, teams, that kind of stuff. Yeah,
0: very good. So... As regards working with, say, Adam and Renatus, and for anyone who doesn't know Adam and Renatus, Adam was one of the co-authors for this is service design doing a very popular book, something Adam has been on the podcast a couple of times before. And Renatus, who I just, he's, he's one of the most remarkable people that I've met in the last couple of years, but is an applied improvisation master, I guess is how I kind of wrap it up. Yes. He's one of these multi-talented individuals, but a fantastic facilitator. So when you're working with them, what are you kind of bringing to that whole kind of mix, that sort of design paella, if you want?
1: I could say I'm more on the, hmm, let's say, playful side of it. Nice. I also, well, Adam does have a background in psychology, but another thing that I do bring is the neuropsychology, so how our brains work. Hmm. I think also my background in design, well, definitely helps with the visual stuff. Yeah. And also, maybe just a different point of view, because they've been working together for quite a lot of time. Yeah. And me working in a different context and learning in different different universities from different people, I think I bring a different perspective on the stuff yeah. that we do.
0: Yeah. So, Anna, you mentioned about having a really strong interest in neuropsychology there. What does that bring to the role of a of a facilitator?
1: It brings a lot, let's say how do you look at what you do and how you do it? So when mm. you design a session or when you facilitate a session, you take into account how our brains work mm. and then try to adjust the activities in a way to achieve maximum or the best output that you can, but not Mm. only facilitation, also in service design. One of the examples I always give is, it's actually how I got interested in neuropsychology when I was reading about empathy and how empathy works in our brains Mm. and what are the different processes that have to happen in order for empathy to really work. And when you understand how complex it is and what needs to happen, in order to be empathetic and how you can do stuff or influence your own empathy or the, the ability to be empathetic, then I got interested. Okay. So let's say in applied improvisation, there are activities where you try to focus on the other person's values. It's called the rent. You basically listen to somebody for a minute. They complain about a recent event and you try to understand what are the underlying beliefs, what is the good intention behind it? I learned this from Belina Rafi. And because our brains work in a way that they warm up, right? So parts of our brains warm up. If you do this activity before you go out on research, you're going to be better at empathy, better at interviewing, better at understanding mm. people. So there are very practical things that we can do to be better at other activities in our design work or facilitation work or
0: teaching work. So it's like you know. brain stretching. Is that was really like a form of stretching <laughs> yeah. almost yeah. For, before you do fitness.
1: Yeah, you could that's, say. That's... Like you have to warm up your muscles, you have to warm up your brain, exactly.
0: So can we talk a little bit more around that? Because I'm, I'm interested yeah. as, a, as a design researcher and a service designer. Yeah. Let, can we go through one of those exercises now?
1: <laughs> sure, yes.
0: Let's do it. Oh my gosh. What does it look like? So, you, do you need me to rant?
1: So, well, let's let's do it the other way. So, you're gonna try. I'm gonna rant for a minute. I'm okay. Gonna put a, I'm gonna put a timer, and your job is going to be to think about what is important to me. Okay. So, listening to what I rant about, mm-hmm. try to understand what is important to me, and then you're gonna give me feedback.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. I'm gonna have a. Just so give I me ask a, you the
0: question: What's important to you?
1: No, I just have to find a a recent event that really, really pissed me off. (laughs) I have to do something.
0: Oh, this is a tricky one. Ladies and gentlemen and everyone else out there, Anna is currently thinking on the spot. (laughs) We're about to do the rant exercise.
1: Oh my gosh. Mm, All right. Okay. Okay. We've got one. I think think we've got one. (laughs) All right. Are we ready? I'm going to time myself here. Okay, three,
0: two,
1: one. Let's do this. So I have a friend that's really dear to me and she's a really good graphic designer. And I want to always give her the opportunity to work, right? But every time I offer her a job or something to work on, she's late. She doesn't deliver what we achieved on. And then I have to defend her from my clients, why the stuff hasn't been delivered. And it, dis- it didn't happen once. It didn't happen twice. It didn't happen three times. It already happened four times. And every single yeah. time, I'm so stupid thinking that it's going to be different. And I'm trying to be the good person. I really try to understand. I've even tried to say, okay, put your own deadline, please. Really, and, and still, still the same. I have no idea what to do. Okay.
0: Okay. So there you go. Everyone, Anna is, (laughs) she's full of energy at the moment. There was lots of anger in that face. So, you know, you pour yourself a big glass of wine there.
1: Oh, (laughs) I wish. I didn't have more work today.
0: All right. So we we, we saw some, some energy there. We saw some trigger points is what I'd probably identify them. Things that really repeated sort of failures, both on both parts and both parties.
1: So the idea is that you do not psychoanalyze me.
0: Okay, here I but... go, I was doing that.
1: <laughs> That's <laughs> on the bike is, well, I'm guessing you don't have any background. No. Proper in.
0: <laughs> Obviously not. therapy.
1: No, the idea is based on what you heard. What do you read that are my values? What is important to me?
0: Delivery, following through on what you say, for instance, being punctual. Yeah. Different things around communication, yeah. clarity of message, yeah. Yeah. all these yeah. different things that I'm hearing. Great.
1: So you've got it. And it's actually a really, really useful technique for your spouses when you have a fight.
0: Okay. Hang on a sec. I'm just going to call my wife up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it's just the so idea of that.
1: when somebody's really pissed, it's probably because some of his or her values were violated or not respected
0: his her they yeah absolutely right. I, I get that yeah
1: and and it, this is about empathy i think and these kind of activities that come from applied improvisation really help mm. you listen better and understand like what are the underlying causes of how somebody is behaving
0: i think subconsciously i do that anyway from, from a business perspective anyway when i'm meeting new clients and we're speaking exactly. to new businesses we kinda we're trying to gauge what the relationship would be like in the future self. Yeah. So it's really it's it is a good exercise, I guess, in terms of maintaining clarity and maintaining those channels of communication and expectations and so forth. Yeah. So the rant, it's something there that we've all learned now. It's it's actually a thing.
1: <laughs> it is it's an official exercise. Didn't make it up. Didn't make it but
0: up in workshops and stuff like that. Do you do that? Is it something that it is an exercise that you say okay we're going to do the yes. rant now.
1: Yes, I do. We yeah. had a we had a service design training for the public sector in Slovenia. So we would teach around 150
0: people employed in the public wow. sector. 150 Slovenia. people ranting at the same time. Not <laughs> the Zoom call I want to be on.
1: <laughs> no, but it's just it's it's an amazing activity not only to debrief on the embassy part but just getting, like enabling people safe space to rant about something. Like Mm. you're rarely asked to rant and creating a safe space for that. And also people connect to each other when they share, because these are personal stories. You you reveal Mm. yourself in a way with the stories. So they're really multidimensional, the activities that we do. And yes, we do them in trainings. Yes.
0: Something like that, though, would definitely require a little bit of prelude to ensure that the environment is safe and brave. Yes. Yeah, it's if I'm just thinking for anyone out there who's who's listening, who's already documented this rant exercise and is about to run it in an organization that's full of toxicity. Maybe there's <laughs> some things you may want to think about before you run that one. But like, yeah. what are the things that you would do to analyze? Like, if you ran that in an organization that was full of potential pitfalls, there for somebody who was tr- who was bringing things to the surface there in that exercise of being of ranting. Mm. It, it could it could potentially damage, I guess. Is yeah.
1: that right? Yeah, it could. Well, there are different ways. One of the things that you learn is to read the room. Mm. So you, you can yeah. sort of sense by the response that you get early on, or even like when you walk into the room or when a person walks into the room, their body language, how they say hi, what do they do? Do they chat or do they just sit in the corner somewhere? All of these are cues that can help you decide if an activity is appropriate for the moment. Mm. Another thing is also how you frame it. So Adam and Renato's are also, I think, very strict on calling these things activities and not necessarily icebreakers or games mm. because they have a kind of negative connotation to it. Yeah. So it's how do you frame it? How do you show people or explain it in a way that it makes sense for the participants that you're working with?
0: Yeah, it's how it's positioned. Yeah. And being pretty honest about the potential for pitfalls there, I guess, will be one of the things that we could probably do. Yeah, I think it's a really good exercise, and it's something that we do. But just going back onto the the neuropsychology pieces there around. Loading people up with information and then giving them time to breathe and stuff. Yeah, I I could see lots of areas where that mindset could be really really powerful in the creation of services and products as well. But in terms of the workshop space, what are the common pitfalls that you're seeing that people are potentially doing that don't consider that kind of mindset?
1: Hmm. Well, many times. What I see is that often facilitators, not necessarily, I'm not talking about professional facilitators. I'm talking about people that try to help a group of people to achieve something. It could be somebody that leads a meeting or somebody that organizes an event. I I call all of those people facilitators. I have a really broad understanding of what facilitation is to me. But oftentimes what I see is that those people have an idea what they want to do and then they want to do it and not necessarily think about what do the participants need in that moment, regardless of what they wanted to do in the first place. Mm. So it's this lack of not going to say empathy, but just sort of understanding that it's not about them. It's about the participants Mm. and it's not about what you think, but it's about what they think and That kind of point of view. So that's one thing I see. A second thing that I'm also guilty of is putting too much stuff in a session. Yeah. I'm still learning with that one, but it feels like because we know a lot of stuff, we just wanna tell everything, you know, we wanna give so Mm. much. And I think oftentimes it's overwhelming for participants.
0: Yeah. That whole kind of the density of knowledge and not all knowledge is is equal, I guess, like there's, there's different types of kind of learning and different kinds of knowledge. Some of it's visual, some of it's spoken word, some of it's nuanced. Yeah. But what I'm seeing at the moment is whenever I'm, I've given a lot of classes now over the last number of months, obviously, but is this whole kind of regular breathing time and space just to let things sit and ask questions. And it might be in terms of interactions and break at rooms or something that's different that's away from the spoken word yeah I don't know what it is but it's somewhere around the 20 to 30 minute mark needs to be a shift there needs to be like you go again and give yourself that break am I imagining that or is that something that is is actually there
1: confirmed no, by no neuropsychology I mean yeah.
0: please validate oh,
1: please validate <laughs> I mean I'm Okay, I don't have an an actual education in these things. I read a lot. I'm curious about it. I'm connecting now with an actual neuropsychologist. I'm meeting her tomorrow, Mm. actually, because I want to do something about it. But, I mean, we know the attention span is pretty low. So we Mm. know that we have around 45 minutes of attention-ish.
0: Per day? (laughs)
1: Per day. (laughs) (laughs) My gosh. Yeah. I mean, definitely. There is a lot of research on perception, on learning, memory creation, that kind of stuff.
0: Mm.
1: If you're under stress, you're really not that good at learning. So the memory creation is, well, your brain can't cope when it's under yeah. stress. And I could say we're now, uh, everybody's experiencing like a global stress. So I think that is mm-hmm. something that often people do not consider in the online trainings as well. Is this mm. human, human aspect? Because it feels like we're acting a little bit like machines now, in a way, as yeah. if we're the productive machines that can just jump from one Zoom meeting to the other, and forgetting that it's overwhelming. I mean, our brains can cope only s- with so much information at a time. So I yeah. don't think you're crazy. I think there's probably research behind it that supports.
0: Yeah. I I've done sessions that at the start I guess like when I started doing mostly online stuff you might speak for 30 40 minutes and somewhere around the 20 minute mark I'd like oh oh overestimated overestimated and then I started breaking my sessions down into blocks. Yeah. Like if it's a 90 minute or 2 hour thing I was like okay the first 15 minutes would be this then maybe a little bit of an interlude and the interlude could be a bit of music or it could be whatever it yeah. is and then do another 20 minutes and then another break Yeah, and it's that kind of patter is what I call it or the cadence that I've kind of noticed it's when I started to adapt and introduce these things you tend to get a better response and people tend to be smiling and more engaged and the other thing I notice is this th- these hands that are just kind of like hidden out of view. And I've had one person before, this is when I was living in Australia, folks, and I had, you know, one of the most it's probably the worst heckle I think I've ever had, both as a musician but also as a designer.
1: Yeah. And it was
0: the sound of uh words with friends refreshing on a do you remember Words with Friends, the the iPhone and Android game? It was like a Scrabble mm-hmm. game. It's like candy, okay.
1: like, candy
0: like candy Crush, okay? Like a Candy Crush. Candy Crush. It was. It was like like you're talking, and you're at that point in a presentation. You're like, you know, the way Adam sometimes gets up to the camera and he'll say something and be really deep, yeah. And then there's silence, and then I'd all hear. This, bleop, 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 bleop. <laughs> Everyone knew
1: <laughs> that they were playing it.
0: There was one person in the group that <laughs> was doing words with friends. Epic, and it just made me feel like I was about one inch tall. And I was just like, "Oh, okay, I thought I had you all, but obviously oh. I don't. But it, it's true, it's very hard to gauge if you have their full attention because they could have another kind of thing in front of their screen and they could just be typing a Word document and nodding along, listening to music in their headphones. And You, you might think that they're smiling, but they could be listening to a Richard Pryor podcast or something. I don't know.
1: Did you see Marcus's video?
0: Oh, which one the service design one? Is no,
1: that? no, no. He made a video that he can put on Zoom sessions where it looks oh, yes. like it's part of the session.
0: I've seen people on YouTube who do this. So <laughs> this is um epic. They have they have these things called Stream Decks, yeah. where they have you press these different buttons and they play a video while you're on a Zoom call. Yeah. And one of them is just acceptance. So they're like nodding their heads Yeah, and yeah.
1: And then the other one is like yeah.
0: thinking. <laughs> yeah and this person on youtube got away with it i think it was for a month he was a journalist in in a in a newspaper in the uk no way and the he was tasked to write a big article for the newspaper on everyone moving online and what what it means to things and at the end of the month he unveiled that he hasn't really been at work and he was just watching while watching TV and play, playing like an orchestra <laughs> is his dream deck to, to certain things that he nearly got caught out a few times, Oh my! but God. they said, this is an epic. I'll try and find it and throw a link into the show notes because it was, it was quite funny. I, I laughed for a while after it.
1: It's awesome. I mean, people really get creative. It's a cool thing as well. Yeah. People are having fun with it and they're trying to make it a bit more livable.
0: Yeah well it is a tough time mm. for many many people like you know people yeah. off their jobs and stuff yeah. but how are you coping with dealing with facilitating online and doing lots of these sessions you know I mean the the role a lot of the listeners for this is say CDR designers and innovators generally
1: mm.
0: how, how are you handling the whole kind of shift online and Staring at a piece of plastic on top of your computer and smiling at it like your friends. How are you getting around that?
1: I'm gonna be honest. I quite enjoy it in a way. I can get pretty quick, or at least I got pretty quick with the online stuff. I also yeah. threw myself in it very early on, so I would do a lot of sessions mm. in March. Yeah, and I facilitated, I wouldn't joke, almost a hundred. Uh, sessions already in this okay. year online sessions how do i get around well one thing that really 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 is making my life much easier is working with amazing people yeah so just by working with people that i really get along with and that we support each other and we give a we have sort of established a safe space where you don't feel bad if you mess up or you're brave enough to try out new stuff so it's this sort of yeah a very supporting environment so i'm really lucky with mm-hmm. that there's much more preparation than for the in-person stuff because of the boards we work a lot with mira yeah and being, having a designer background does not help in a way because yeah. then you want to do all this amazing stuff and You want to make a great experience and you spend hours and hours prepping the boards and making stuff engaging and interactive. There's a lot of prep in that. But then again, I mean, the technology really offers us so many ways to be creative and to try out new stuff. It's easier than ever to prototype in an online context. I mean, I it, it rarely happened a couple of years ago that I would have three sessions in a day.
0: Mm. Absolutely, yeah, that's true.
1: Right? Because you had to travel to a destination, so it was physically impossible to do yeah. it. Now you can, I can have a session in America in the morning, or in the morning I would do it with Asia, mm. midday Europe, and then in the evening with the Americas.
0: Yeah. You know? Is that a good thing, though?
1: That's another thing. Is let's see what our mental health will say,
0: mm, yeah, <laughs> and our bodies. Yeah, there's only so many sessions you can do in a day. I think it's it's yeah. a case of like just looking at the screen and looking at the glare, yeah, and uh, I'm trying to sometimes f- feign this energy that's you know. Hey, you know, it's very difficult to do it over a prolonged period of time. So yeah. it's it's something we're, we're constantly battling, I suppose. Mm. So, Anna, if people are looking to reach out to you, connect with you and follow you, like well, what's the best way for them to do that? What social networks are you most active on?
1: Mm. So if you want to see me, if you want to see my face, yeah, join the Co-Creation School online meetups. They're for free. We do them regularly twice a month. 10th at 10CT. And on the 18th at 1800, which is 6 p.m. CET. So nice. I'm going to be always there at the sessions. So if you want to see me. Otherwise, yeah. if you want to write me, use LinkedIn. That's going to yeah. be
0: the easiest way. I'll throw a link to your LinkedIn mm. in the show notes. Are you on Twitter?
1: I am not. I've tried so many times, but it's overwhelming. Mm. There's just so much content that if you're starting out. Yeah, true. I could probably spend hours on Twitter and it's not like I have a lot of free time already.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's one of those networks that I'm seeing more and more of that if you're not on it, the sort of the curve is the curve, yeah. Is is too big. Yeah. People yeah. are just like, I'm not gonna bother. Yeah. Or they will bother and they'll just have a very silent account or they don't really promote it. <laughs> but I have friends
1: uh, that use Twitter a lot. So if there's something important happening there, I get the information. You see
0: it as well. <laughs> Anna. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you. I've got a new section that I want to try out with you, though, Ooh.
1: in the sense
0: of prototyping. Yes. I'm going to try it out now today. So you're going to be the very first person to try out these new questions. I'm going Ooh. to try and wrap up each podcast with three new questions, folks. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And I'm putting you on the spot here now. Yes. Try not give it too too much thought. Okay. We're going to start a new, I'd love to have a little jingle in here or something, but I probably won't do it in the end. So (laughs) what's the one thing at the moment Anna is grateful for?
1: Oh, my job. The the type of work that I do. I'm just, that I can do it in these times. I'm really, really grateful.
0: That's good. Second one. And what's the one thing you wish you could have told your younger self?
1: Hmm. Gosh. Don't be so hard on yourself.
0: Okay. There's probably another podcast on that one. (laughs)
1: Yes, become a Um, therapy-themed one.
0: (laughs) And the last question is, what's the one thing that you're going to try and do more of?
1: Take time for myself.
0: And there you go, folks. Anna Kvirbeksh, wonderful speaking with you. Chat to you soon. Yeah, thank you. Ciao. So there you have it. That's all for this episode of Bringing Design Closer. If you like this episode, feel free to visit thisishatecd.com, where you can access our back catalogue of over 100 episodes, with episodes related to service design, product management, design research, and much, much more. If you're interested in design and innovation training, feel free to check out our business, thisisdoing.com, where you can join online classrooms and learn from the world's best design and innovation leaders. Join the This Is 8 CD newsletter, where you will receive updates from the network, and also, if you're interested, apply to join the Slack community and this is hatecd.com. Stay safe, and until next time, take care.